Join us as we gather around the hedge, where we dig into technology, business, and culture with the finest minds in computer networking. Well, hello, Rick. How are you? I'm doing good. 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 Awesome. See you again, Russ. Good to see you again. Books haven't fallen over yet. To no, over. no, uh, um, because I'm not allowed to keep them at home. I got to put them somewhere, and uh, I just can't get rid of books. And got a lot of yours up there, and a lot of old books up there as well. You know, every time I move, I throw away or give away a lot of books. I used to have a library of over ten thousand books in one house that I lived in. Oh, and wow. I'm down to like two or three thousand now, and you know, people—that's kind of crazy. But okay, Rick, how many books do you read a year? Just out of curiosity. Oh, I probably read cover to cover, maybe two or three cover to cover. And really? then a lot of. You surprise me. A lot of stuff, pieces of okay. different books. Yeah. So if this I, year. Should be reading more? Or yeah, well, I don't know. This year I'm on 33 or 34 so far. This cover year. to cover? Cover to cover. All but right. now I don't read technology books. So there's a little bit of a difference there. I mean, I'm reading mostly philosophy and I'm not saying it's easier to read it. I'm just saying that that's what I mostly read. I I'm also very slow. I underline everything yeah. that I'm reading. And so most of the books are underlined because I, oh, this is important. This is important. So, so when I was doing, when I was doing the PhD, one thing I discovered is that And I really drove my librarian crazy, by the way, by doing this, is I would buy physical books that weren't available electronically. I would cut the backs off them on my bandsaw, and I would scan them and OCR them into PDF format. And the reason is, there's two reasons. The first is I can copy and paste quotes. And so I have a OneNote of every book that I've read, every te every philosophy book, not not fiction, but like other stuff. Anything that has any content in it that I want to say for any reason, I actually copy and paste those quotes into OneNote sections so I can search them in OneNote and go back and find quotes. And in some cases, I outline the entire book. I'll outline the entire argument of the book from cover to cover. Just sit down with the, with the PDF and just like take my notes and just like type away and build an entire outline so that I can search that outline and follow the, 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 the argument of the of the author in a very tight way um so i read almost everything digitally i do read some physical books but for the most part i read digitally and i know you read slower digitally and i've heard all this but just being able to copy and paste the notes out and have them where i can search them and then being able to search the books like i stick all the pdfs in a single directory and i'm like i remember three words from a quote that's what i remember I can actually search the entire directory of PDFs and dig it right up. And so that's like, it's an efficiency thing with me. It's, it's less efficient up front. It's more efficient in the long term to read things digitally. So that's, that's just a crazy thing with me. Now that I've explained to the entire world how I do all that. I don't even feel bad that I don't read more. I used to read more. Now I'm kind of more videos also. And yeah, I, I never watch videos. I never watch videos. I never watch video training. I do a lot of video training. I never, I never watch it. Isn't that terrible? I shouldn't watch yours anymore. Okay. <laughs> 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 so the third person you hear there is Ratul. I'm not going to trace it. Mahajan, 
Yep. That's right. Oh, wow. Look yeah. at that. Yeah. I'm not yeah. very good at names, so that's okay. <laughs> but anyway, and Ratul's going to talk to us about batfish. First of all, where are you, Ratul? Uh, I'm in Seattle, Washington. It's oh, okay. uh, a, a typical Seattle fall day. Uh, it's, okay. it's gray, it's right. drizzly. <laughs> yeah. I had a friend once who moved to Seattle to work for Microsoft or mm. Redmond or something right in that area. And he said, I found this really cheap house and I bought it before I lived up there. He said, I was so happy I found this cheap house. And I got there and I realized the reason it was so cheap is because it didn't have a garage. And then I thought... <laughs> Like, yeah, beware cheap houses in Seattle. Yeah. They don't have garages. <laughs> um, not not many here. I think most really? houses have garages. So I think most houses have garages, which is why this one was cheap. Without Yes, that's exactly right. Once you walk through the rain for the 10th day in a row, you're like, yeah, yeah. now I know why yeah. this house was yeah. cheap. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it didn't have a roof on it or something. Yeah. <laughs> that would be California. Still wouldn't be cheap. Yeah. yeah, still wouldn't be cheap in California. So we're talking about batfish. So talk to me about batfish. What is it? Other than, you know, I looked it up on the web, and the first thing I get was um, a particular kind of fish, which was really weird because, like, some of them look like angelfish and some of them look like sea rays. And I was like, that's really weird. Like, some are sideways and some are flat. and I, Some are horizontal and some are vertical. How can they be related? But okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so talk to us uh, so, about batfish. Yeah. Okay. Batfish. So the first thing to know is it's not a kind of fish. <laughs> uh, so, it goes my um, preparation. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, batfish is a tool that arose out of a very particular thing we wanted to kind of solve and see how how to solve it, which is that I'm about to apply a configuration change to my network. How can I get confidence? that this change will not break the network. That's like, you know, a very simple question, a question that comes up in the in the life of a network engineer all the time. Uh, and of course, like, and how can I do it automatically, right? Of course, like, you know, all that stuff, change review boards to give you confidence. Uh, but we wanted to build essentially an automatic tool that'll tell you whether or not this change is safe, just like we have with software. So imagine a software pipeline, you know, you have, you push a change in, a bunch of tests get run automatically, and that gives developer the confidence that this change is correct to deploy, and that basically changes the safety and agility equation for software. So we wanted to build essentially something similar for networks, where you make a change, it'll automatically get tested. It tells you whether the change is safe or not. So that's what Batfish kind of does, and that's what I see is like the part or the use case it was fulfilling uh, for network engineers. Okay. Um, yeah. And that in and of itself is interesting because this is like part of the intention, the intent based networking. Mm -hmm. But intent based networking tends to be focused in a different area than this, it, it seems um, to me. Um, so I look at this space in, in two ways, and they're kind of closely related cousins. Like, so um, intent-based networking, it's it's not a technology, so we can, we can interpret it in different ways. <laughs> um, but I think like, the, the whole endeavor is kind of twofold. One, one form of intent-based networking you can think of is like, is my intent being met? Right. right. Uh, and the other is like, okay, I have some intent, which is higher than, say, a Cisco configuration file or a Juniper configuration uh, file. 
uh, automatically generate these low-level things from something higher level, which might be, you know, make sure packets get from A to B. That's my intent. Now you figure out, you compiler, you system, you figure out how can my intent be translated into into the language that my routers and my boxes understand. Even the technical terms for these two would be the bottom up is verification, is my intent being met, and the top down is compilation or synthesis in there. So Batfish is focused on this first problem of intent validation. That's where it kind of you know it ties into intent-based networking. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So, and the, and the reason I say that because I think when you have these compilers, like you know, it having a tool like Batfish, it becomes knowing whether synthesis is happening correctly or not, right? So think about like in today's world, you can think of like an LLM or Chat GPT generating your configurations from a high-level intent. That could be your synthesis tool, and then you can verify whether it is correct or not correct in there. So these are kind of you know. Two ways to get assurance, or or two techniques you need to drive a fully intent-driven network. Okay, but it's interesting because you're focused on the pre before the configuration is installed, mm -hmm. rather than mm -hmm. after, which is more mm -hmm. of the intent stuff. Sorry, I know, I know Ricky has some stuff to kick yeah, in. Yeah, Ricky, I was going to ask you. So, uh, you know, I know in you know we different ways that we can kind of do these kinds of validation. Mm -hmm. yeah. Old days, you know, you lab it up someplace. Yeah. Either you yeah. take it to the vendor, you do it yourself, or now, you know, you may use some kind of virtual, virtual lab, like, mm -hmm. you know, Eve or CML. Yeah. Well, how does, yeah. how does that fish differ from, you know, doing this? What, yeah. you know, I know it's kind of some kind of modeling type of. Yeah. Yeah. Correct? Um, yeah. So there are two key differences, I would say, like, so, so the closest you absolutely right, those tools um, exist and, and folks should use them and folks do use them. Um, so let's call this lab-based approach emulation, where you actually run like the operating system that from the vendor lab and you wire it up together, uh, and then you you know see whether the lab is doing what you expect it to do or not. Uh, Batfish, uh, on the other hand, builds like a model, like you said, like take the configuration. So you, as a network engineer, you have some understanding today that if I write this type of configuration line, this is how my network or my router is going to behave. So think of Batfish as having encoded that knowledge in software. And based on that model, it can actually predict what things are going to do without running iOS or Juno. So that's kind of like the difference. Now, if we talk about when should you use one or the other? So I look at it like testing as building like on foundations of correctness and being layered. So I think emulation is the best tool there if you yeah. have your iOS having bugs or uh, some feature actually not being correctly implemented. So it provides essentially correctness on iOS or some the operating system or BGP implementation of your vendor, as an example. Uh, Batfish essentially uses that as a trusted computing base. By the way, when you're doing that, you're basically assuming you know, that hardware is correct. So everything operates on every validation tool, the way I think about it, like every validation tool builds on trusted computing base. So Batfish is, Trusted computing base is that BGP implementation is correct and the value now in doing that, now you say, okay, it has a much bigger trusted computing base that you're trusting BGP implementation is correct. The reason it's valuable is that because it's a lot more lightweight, you can actually do much more rigorous testing on where the most risk lies. And most outages, as you well know, if you're practicing network engineers, come from the config uh, typically. 
lot of studies show that too. So batfish can now do a much rigorous, much more rigorous job, much quicker. It will be minutes, not you know the time it takes to boot up all the images in the lab. Within minutes, it will be much deeper guarantee on the config layer that sits on top of your software layer um, uh, in the network. So it's but, basically validating like the control plane information. It's valid. It does both in the sense of it validates the control plane information and it actually a view of how the data plane will behave given this control plane. If you think of config as the control plane, you say, okay, you know, I've configured BGP sessions, I have some ACLs, I have some route maps, prefixes, and take routing instances works and so forth. And it basically that based on its model, it'll generate, you know, ribs and fibs of your network and then it'll do data plane validation, you know. I wanted isolation between this subnet and this subnet. Is that correctly implemented or not? I wanted everybody in my network to be able to reach the DNS server. Is that happening or not happening? Hey, I started I started a new load balancer instance or I'm starting a new server instance. Can the load balancer reach it or not? You can actually then ask these data plane level questions as well, starting from just the config alone of the network. So all I'm providing to Batfish is just, just the configurations. Yeah, to, to get started, all you're providing is just configurations. Now, if you're interested, it can take in other information as well. Like, so for instance, you know, the, how packets flow in your network depends, for instance, on what routing information I'm getting from the outside world. I connect to my transit provider and I connect to the network. You can feed in that as well. Uh, but yeah, but you can get started with just the configuration. Does it... Does it analyze protocol convergence when you make the change as well? Does it understand how OSPF, ISIS, and BGP work and how they mm -hmm. converge? Or is it more like, I'm just going to make sure that I should be able to find this reachable destination from here or whatever it is? It, um, it can analyze convergence as well in the sense that it actually does the what the OSPF and BGP will do. So, it so actually it does that SPF step by step. Runs best yeah, right. Best yeah, okay. yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, though I would, you know, and and I think some of our users do use it as an indicator of convergence. But I would one thing I would quickly kind of you know just being in in the interest of technical correctness here that you know a batfish explores one potential path. If you, if you have a network where convergence depends on the order of messages and what got what, Batfish will basically reveal one side, one potential world. Uh, you, you know, sometimes networks can be in multiple worlds, yes, right? right, uh, right. Uh, so they, they may not have a unique convergence point. And that point, Batfish will create that one universe, one potential universe of convergence, and it will analyze that one. But if you have an inherently non-deterministic network, then reality may differ from the model sometimes. Which is, which is all BGP networks, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just it just is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Does it validate like any kind of uh stale uh commands you might have, like some uh maybe some uh uh an access control statement that mm -hmm. isn't being used or can validate yeah. maybe an OSPF, you have mismatch yeah. or dead timer yeah. or finds all that kind of stuff. Uh, that that's absolutely right. So those are um, they're two different things. They're two kinds of things. I think in, in the examples you pointed out, one is that you know what we call like undefined references or just kind of linting type of bugs in the configs, right? Like so you you have a route map in there, and then you have you you have defined route map one two three, but or you're using it somewhere, but it's not defined. It'll kind of find that, but not just that. It'll actually also map them back. 
which is, which tends to be very vendor specific, right? Like some route maps when they are not defined, like some vendors fail open, some vendors fail close, some vendors would barf. Uh, so we kind of understand all that and does that behaviorally does exactly kind of that uh, as well. But I think, but even if it'll find harmless stuff as well. So you have, for instance, a route map defined, but it's never applied. Mm. It can point out those as well to your point around staleness and things like that, which actually was kind of interestingly, kind of one of the learnings uh, from building. So, so our original goal was to reason about forwarding and packet flow starting from configuration. So as I think the tool matured, what we found was like, you know, people wanted it to for these other, what you might think technically simple things as well, which actually saw, people saw a lot of value in that use case as well. Yeah the ability to model config. So that's kind of like one of the learnings that came out of kind of doing it and putting it out there that it's not just about forwarding. It's not just about BGP convergence, but it's also all these other challenges folks have with keeping their configurations correct and uh, sanitary. So, so to do all this, you must be using a model of some type, right? You're modeling the behavior of all these devices. You can't be actually like hard coding or anything like that. Are you mm -hmm. using like Yang OpenConf? I mean, what are you using? Or do you have your own modeling that sits um, underneath this? That, that's where that's where insightful question is getting into uh, the software architecture. Uh, so we uh, so what it does is takes the config. Uh, we we have like a full blown kind of parser. Uh, so it's not pulling only the things uh, of interest like a regex, which is how people lending know. So it has like um, a parser based on Antler Core. The parser essentially builds a model of the configuration first that is uh, that is vendor specific. It's very uh, close to the text, so to speak, uh, in there. From there, we have essentially conversion tools that map it, that vendor specific model of config to a vendor independent model. Now that model looks like, you know, kind of like open config, but it's not. It's something that we've over time developed and matured. And then rest of the tool chain essentially now follows like, you know, you run this control plane or configs and then a data plane comes out, that's when they're neutral. So we have almost, you can think of it like a funnel where we are kind of analysis getting kind of narrower and narrower as we are doing mapping uh, to these general concepts uh, in there. And that's how, that's how kind of software is architected. Okay, cool. So does it actually uh, build the, so, how does it determine the topology? Does it actually just look yeah. at the configs and figure out who's adjacent to who? Um, yeah, so uh, two answers to that. The easy answer is that if you don't give it any other information, Batfish will assume that your IP addressing is correct. And so I can say, you know, I have an interface in this subnet, this slash 30, and there's another one, these two must be connected. Um, and that's kind of, you know, and that works for a lot of networks that are pure layer three. Uh, but you can also supply at which point it'll bootstrap layer three connectivity uh, on top of that wiring. So, and that wiring, some of our users basically, you know, take a dump of your LLDP files or something like that and convert them into this format that that that's in that you can supply that as additional uh, and which is which is actually necessary for layer two or networks with VLAN where we cannot just infer adjacencies from config alone. Uh, so, so it. So that that facility also exists. I, I have to ask you, or I'll, I'll get mm -hmm. in trouble yeah, yeah, with my, yes. my students, and and that is, uh, <laughs> does it support IPv6? Oh my God, uh, it does oh, not no. do okay. a good job of supporting <laughs> IPv6. Um, yeah, uh, okay. um, yeah. 
I mean, any, I keep the yeah, have you heard of any plans? Is it in the pipeline or? Um, I think um, the core banking kind of frank ipv6 is not on on the roadmap the way we can see it however i think uh, there are some contributions coming in from other people like things uh, that are taking us in that direction and we welcome contributions there as well so folks are uh, helping us take like baby steps i think just last week we maybe so for instance we had the internal model of ip address space just last week contributions came in that developed a parallel model for ipv6 as a first step towards that and I think over time, uh, hopefully we, like I think in terms of things that are parallel are easy to develop and we welcome contributions. Um, the only IPv6, so, so deeper forwarding checking IPv6 support does not exist today. Unfortunately, you know, um, most of our users are in V4 land and when we were a company, are then also were V4 land. Uh, however, we hope that um, we can, you know, uh, some of it coming from the Batfish core development team maintainers and externally it's an open source product we can move it towards V6. I'd love to see it. it's, a, it's a timing prioritization and all that all that stuff kind of gets in the way. So does it actually forward packets through the network to verify things or is it just looking at routing tables? Like it's, I know it's, it's uh, not even really a network. It's not really an emulation yeah, yeah. per yeah. se, but is it think, is it, is it look like thinking, is it running a process that says, okay, I'm going to go to this router, emula, mm -hmm. this not yeah. emulated router and look at the routing table and say, yeah. yeah, that would take me there. Is that how it's doing it? Um, uh, yes. So to in a little bit more detail, um, so it, it runs the model of the BGP. Uh, it gets essentially, or networks running, it gets essentially ribs, right? And then it has admin distance. Based on that, it can get the main ribs. And then it can get the fibs and stuff like that. So, so think of that as like, you know, going purely from config to ribs and fibs. And then after that, you know, on this kind of model ribbon fit, you can run a trace route. We have, so Batfish, like the way you interact with Batfish is this idea of you have a questions and you can ask. That's why then real network on an emulating network, you can basically say, you know, what does a packet with address 11111 when starting at this node in my network? Uh, what path does it take? And Batfish will produce a possible path. So if it's multi-path routing, it'll do that. So that's basically kind of what happens, I think. But but the beauty comes in after that, like we can take these fibs and we can actually build a mathematical model of the fibs. And what the mathematical model lets you do is lets you ask these like very, very strong invariants or properties of the network that prove to me that no packet can ever go from here to here in my network. And now this is something you can never do in emulation. This is something you can never do on the real network because you're never going to send a billion trace routes, right? Like that's basically what you're asking the system, that no packet. So that mathematical model can be on guarantees that you can never get from any other uh, means. So this is where some of the mathematical modeling and verification comes in, and that operates on the layer of essentially fibs. You can ask, for instance, that like all sources can reach a destination, that no packet ever, no matter what the destination, will get past my firewall where the port is, you know, 319 or something like that. So you can ask these very existential questions on that model. But in addition to being able to run a very, very concrete trace route um, as you do today. Yeah. I guess, I guess, you know, in philosophy, we always say it's really hard to prove a negative. But yeah. in this case, 
you actually have a scoped space in which you're testing yeah. things. It's a it's a very large space. You can never play like in correctness in an infinite space. Yes, space. right. But you have yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, you yeah. have a fixed yeah. space yeah. here, a contained and, space. Yeah. So the contained space in particular for, for the it's upon IT packets. You know, yeah. there are billions of them, yes, but it's a finite space and we can we have data structure trickery in there to quickly walk the space and find out counterexamples to to these existential properties you want to prove or disprove over this like, you know, uh, billion headed space. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, using this, can it do like uh, impact analysis, like based on the failure of some part of the network? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So I think, uh, so yeah, so you can, so we have these APIs that will say, okay, you know, uh, create another snapshot of my network where you assume that this link has failed or this node has failed. Or so, so it can actually do a little bit better than what you're saying. It can, of course, create the new world and say that, but it can also then do this thing we call differential analysis. They say, okay, no, um, is there a packet, uh, is there a flow that was working in this network, but is not going to work after that? So those sorts of things uh, you can also do. And we we call them in batfish lingo differential questions. So it's you're asking essentially questions, relative questions about two snapshots there. And there. So you can also say like, how will my ribs change? Uh, just as an example, another things like, so, so instead of looking at before and after yourself, the tool itself will produce a diff for you. Uh, that you can analyze um, to figure out, you know, what happens after a failure or what happens after a config change, uh, things like that. Can it do similar analysis? Does it do any kind of like layer two spanning tree type stuff, or is it purely pretty much at layer three? When um, I, I think to a first approximation, it's a layer three uh, thing. I think we, uh, again, timing prioritization, we were data center networks because that's where you know a lot okay. of modern designs were um and yeah so it doesn't do spanning tree uh today yeah okay yeah that's interesting so it, uh, it does a lot of the stuff that we would want it to do um so i know rick had this down as his question but like what what does it look like i mean if you're going to build a workflow around this mm -hmm. yeah. how, you know what what does look using this look like for somebody yeah, yeah, who's yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, let me take it in two parts. Um, I think what we think, uh, you know, we have we have an idea of what the ideal workflow should be like, and and some of our users have realized that. Uh, so you have a config change, uh, either generated by hand or generated manually. As soon as you do a get that change. Batfish gets into via get hooks or something, some such thing. Batfish essentially goes to work. It will basically create. You have written a bunch of invariants on the network around who should they be able to talk to. There should be no black holes. There should be no packet loops and things like that. And it'll check a whole bunch of these. And then it gives you just like a software testing system, it'll tell you which tests are passing with link. And after that, you know, if all are passing and if you have other qualification gates, you pass those and your configs basically get automatically deployed. That is the ideal workflow. But as you know, uh, as anybody who's on the ground in networking, a lot of networks are kind of far away from there. Um, there and after that, we then I think for folks who cannot do it, a whole bunch of kind of manual workflows kind of kick in. I think some of these people have built in, like you know, I think uh, we. The idea is that you have some config change. Thank you. 
workflow by which you know Batfish, by the way, runs like as a service. So you essentially write some Python or some API, or to using the Python SDK to essentially ask the service to test, and then you run questions interactively and ask, hey, is this safe? Is this not safe? And so forth in there. Oh, so, so it has an like interact. It has an interactive CL, uh, CLI type of thing. Um, it has a Python SDK, so you okay. can okay. like yeah, right, like so. So you will basically you know, import our our kind of Python library. Let's say you know import Py, PyBatfish, it's called, and then you say you know uh, bf dot init snapshot. So that's an API as an example call. Okay, then Batfish turns on it, and then you can start asking questions like bf dot trace route. So that's what kind of that interactive uh, experience kind of looks like uh, using Python. So starting at kind of step zero, the first thing I'd be doing is I would be downloading mm -hmm. Batfish as like as a container. Is that yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and then using uh, Python with maybe the uh, Pi Batfish library to mm -hmm. the, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and using my snapshots, my configs. Yeah. And, any yeah. questions against that? Is that yeah. an oversimplification of what? Oh uh, no, it's not. No, it's it's not at all. This is how most most of our users get started. Yes, so you do a Docker pull. So we have Batfish hosted images on. Uh, so you have Batfish service running. Then you say you know uh, pip install by Batfish, and then you write the kind of script I was describing earlier. And all you gotta do is take your configs. If you are using Rancid or something, just take them and you organize them, put them in this subfolder called configs, and then you say bf dot init snapshot and give it essentially you know uh, the path to those configs, and then you're off to the races. And that's how like most most people get started. And the information, the way it provides the information, I was reading something about the using pandas data frames. Is that yeah, correct? yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, so Batfish has this model where you basically, when you're using it interactively, questions and answers. A lot of our answers naturally are tabular. Like, so you say, show me all the route maps in my network, or show me the path of all the flows and things like that. Uh, there, the answer comes back essentially as a pandas data frame, and then you have you know all of pandas magic to manipulate and do various things with it. And I would imagine that kind of helps with vendor agnostic in mm -hmm. that getting all yeah. the information yeah. you need from different types of vendors. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. And okay. uh, I just, you know, because I'm in the world of education. Uh-huh. Yeah. I know where, uh, you know, we, we, we always challenge, have challenges with, you know, using having enough physical equipment. Yeah. Yet, you know, having the VM, yeah. having to get yeah. e or CML, whatever. Yeah. You know, uh, do you see this being used in any kind of educational um, space to kind of like a project base to yeah, hey, yeah. you know, build your configs and let's see, you know, where you don't have maybe the physical equipment at at, at hand to do what you need yeah. to do? Um, yeah. By the way, I should say, like, mention that I'm I'm also in educated space, so you got a kid. Far what do is I'm a faculty member at University of Washington. I, um, I know, that, but yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. Um, so, uh, so the short answer is kind of yes. I I think we've seen um, so two ways. I think Batfish has been used in education space. One is simply, you know, I think I know people have run kind of stone classes and things like that uh, to get familiar. I think that's the kind of usage. And the other, of course, other research tools have kind of built on that as well. So you can see like a lot of like you know stuff of Batfish. So I think 
we do see that usage, but I should say like our, our primary community is like the network engineers. Yeah, uh, today, yeah, yeah, not the students, yeah. 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 But we are happy to support Thinkier if you're thinking, you know, if you wanted to run a project-oriented class, just ask your students to just you know, join the Slack channel and I'm sure they'll get plenty of support yeah. um, if they want to do projects like that. So I think, but, but and we, I run projects, courses like that. I know others who've done it as well. So it's, uh, the tool's kind of mature enough for that to, to support those students. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. good. So, yeah, I mean, it all sounds really simple to use. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm like really, I've not looked at it yet, so I'm very interested in looking at it. And it's using containers, so it's not using like Container Lab or anything like that underlying. It has its own analysis process and everything mm -hmm. else to figure all this out. Mm -hmm. and figure out what the routes you're not actually sending route updates or anything like that you're just analyzing the where mm -hmm. things are in the network and where neighbors would be built where adjacencies would be built and filtering and stuff like that so that's all really cool um it sounds like a much easier way of just understanding or kind of evaluating what's going to happen in a network if you do this uh type of thing um yeah so yeah, anyway, that's that's all very interesting. I, I actually don't have, I know Rick has a couple more questions here, so I'll just let you run uh, just, it, you know, it's, I, I see, you know, a space and, you know, just uh, maybe working with students doing network design or something and uh, being able to validate and test, you know, d different uh, designs. And yeah, that, yeah. That, you know, and, uh, where it's just a lot of that's so hard to do. And, you know, when you're mm -hmm. lapped up in yeah. virtualized or equipment, it just right. takes a lot of time. Yeah. And yeah. A lot of yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I just, you know, one other question I, I have is about resources. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I've installed it on my, my little MacBook Pro here. Uh, mm -hmm. How, um, how resource intensive is it? What, what would I need to um, uh, memory I, or CPU or, um, um yeah I, I think um on my macbook pro i can run like networks off a thousand routers or something easily like you know within 30 30 days like that's how a lot of us kind of do development and debugging in this right so so not so yeah i think especially your students don't need to create a ten thousand node network so for them no. they can just do it yeah <laughs> i mean there's, there's nothing to be learned once you go past five routers no i'm kidding um but uh, <laughs> i mean i've often said i've often said this by the way when i'm talking yeah. to people that if you can't illustrate when they're writing an rfc yeah. or doing a president if you can't illustrate how something works in five routers or less yeah, yeah. you no. probably uh, really yeah. don't understand how it works <laughs> yeah uh, plus i think actually so this is kind of funny thing may or may not relate like you know this is and and uh, some of us have answered this question at a technical level through so kind of your intuition we can actually take a large network and we can build like a scale model of it that has all the behaviors of a larger network. And it was kind of like a fun project to do as a follow-on to kind of bad fish and control brain modeling. So you're absolutely right. And I'm saying that, you know, um, in the literature that this is mathematically correct. Yeah, hmm. yeah. yeah that's interesting. Is that I, I just know that every time I do a presentation, I see people get up in front of a big crowd and they have like a slide with like 30 routers on it. And they're like, oh, if this happens and that happens, you're like, you know what? Nobody in the crowd can understand thirty routers. Um, I'm sorry, you know. <laughs> but not, 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 not. Yeah, but, but not just that. I think, like, if you're trying to build a protocol or something like that, I think, like, nobody can understand. You know, yeah, like, exactly. 
Exactly. Yes, I like it when always, then the next slide is a different topology of 30 routers. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> and you got to like, wait a minute, got to wrap my my mind around that yep. 30 routers. Yep, yep, and, yep. and then they're like, yeah. they use this little router over here and that little router over there on the right side. And they say, well, I just passed this through these other 20 routers. And you're like, yeah, yeah, then why are they on yeah. the slide? <laughs> I just yeah, yeah. Because um, I think, yeah, most of the time the, they are on the slide because uh, the speaker went through that pain yeah. <laughs> of, of debugging that 30 node router, and it's like, okay, look how hard it was for me. <laughs> but, but as an educational tool, it fails. Yeah, that's exactly. You've given right. away the secret of a lot of my presentations of why there are so many slides and so detailed. <laughs> I went through the pain. <laughs> it took me too long to do. Yes, since I went through the pain. Yeah. My God, you're going through the pain too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, exactly it reminds right. me of that. Yeah, reminding me of that famous quote, right? Like, if I had more time, I'd write you a shorter letter. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly how it works. Yeah. So, okay, cool. So, I don't have much more than that. Um, I, I don't know, Rick. Any other questions oh, that no, you want to? Uh, I mean, this is uh, something I've. When's know, the book coming out? That's what we want to know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The Batfish book. <laughs> oh, it's uh, it's uh, not, not, in, not, not in the works. Not in the works. At least not by me. He's not by me. Yeah. I, I do have one other question that's been yeah. bugging me. And I know I would get this question from my students. Why yeah. Batfish? Um, yeah, I wish there was a good answer or a good story there. Uh, um, but I have to make I up a story. This, uh, no, I, I should make up a story, but I think the honest answer is that um, you know how uh, I think our networking tools a lot of them. So by the time uh, time came for Ari Fogel, who was the primary student doing this project um, with Todd and me, like when the time came to him naming this tool, he went through a whole bunch of um, names he liked, and all of them were taken. <laughs> and then finally, that was like one way, like, you know, he's kind of checking on Batfish. The other story there that was kind of stars line, like he wanted like a domain to exist. So Batfish.org, what learned was that the domain had been bought by somebody, but it had bought by this gentleman. So there's this thing called USS Batfish. Uh, so, right. Uh, so the, the domain had been bought by the gentleman who was over time planning to create like a virtual museum for USS Batfish, but they never mustered the energy beyond buying the domain. So we could uh, we could buy the domain off of that. Okay, then say okay, no other networking tool exists, and we can have Batfish.org. So Batfish mm -hmm. be the name now. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it's actually the the it's apparently it is a submarine, and it is yeah. in Muskogee, Oklahoma. It's mm -hmm. SS three ten, and it's out yeah. on dry land, just sitting in the middle of a field yeah. as a museum. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. That, um, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Well, let's see. Um, Rick, where can people get in touch with you? We have to do this every podcast, man. You know how it is. Yeah, probably the easiest is on LinkedIn. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel and always willing to uh, share whatever I've done, uh, either YouTube, any of my course content materials. Always, you know, like I told you, Russ, before I – I in invented none of this. So, uh, you know, there's no intellectual property because there's not coming from any great intellect. So, uh, yeah, people, always well, welcome to share anything I've got. Wow. Wow. 
I don't know about that, Rick, but okay, I'll let it pass for now. And Ratul, <laughs> <laughs> there's Batfish.org, and what else? Do you have a blog or anything like that that you're um, working I, on? I, I do not have a blog, um, but I think if folks want to get in touch with me, I'm I'm on X or Twitter, now known as X, uh, at Ratulam, and I'm easy to kind of find on the internet too. I think it's an, an email's best if people have questions. It's Ratula at Ratul.org. Okay. So easy there, yeah. Awesome. Okay. And um, I'm Russ. I'm always here at rule11.tech and on the hedge. And I don't know, uh, we know your time is really valuable. And we know that the world is crazy full of information. And you taking time to listen to us chat about batfish and whatever else we're talking about is really important to us. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Hedge. And uh, we'll catch you next time. (laughs) 